Now, what I want to do is um, I want you to, um, if you're watching, you heard a sermon already this morning. And the sermon you heard this morning was um, about uh, maturity. And I am about to start for the next three months, two months, two months, a focus on that one word. It takes maturity to do some things. There are times in your life you just have to grow up. There are times in your life you cannot be passive. There are times you have to be aggressive. There are times when you have to strategically plan. And if you don't, you'll fail. You can be saved, love God, go to church, cry, pray, get educated. But if you're not strategic, you can fail. It takes plans. It takes strategy. It takes confidence. There is another series I'm going to do after the one on maturity on confidence and how you have to confidently do the work. You can be confident, but if you're not doing the work, your confidence is just naive. And that's what I talked about today online at 9 o'clock. And I talked about naive optimism and how a person can be so committed that God's going to bless them, but you're not doing the work. And if you're not doing the work, it's not going to work, no matter how you pray. You can pray for money, but if you don't save any money, you're never going to have any money. And if you don't live within the budget that you have, you're never going to have anything. You're going to always struggle and be asking God for miracles. Sometimes you don't need a miracle. You need to save your money. You need to exercise. You need to walk. You don't need God's healing power. You need to get up and walk. This is not about the devil. It's about you not walking. Too many hamburgers. That's the devil. It's got nothing to do with anybody else than you looking in the mirror and saying, I need to not be naive. I need to face the truth about me. And that's what I've been doing. Looking at Ricky, not you, me, and striving to improve myself academically, emotionally, in my relationship to make sure that I don't lose sight of, of what's important in my life. Today, I want to talk uh, from a theme that's very simple. And I want to ask you a question. This is different than the sermon we had today. We'll continue our sermon on maturity next week. And uh, I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But let me, let me focus you on one question today. And I want you to repeat this question with me. What will you give up? That's the question. What will you give up? Not me. You. There's a statement that uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar made, that great basketball player. He said, I think... He said, I think the good and the great are only separated by the willingness to sacrifice. The good and the great. The difference between being good and being great is one word, sacrifice. Your willingness to say no to you. Your willingness to say no to something. Now, I've seen this, and I see it all the time in my life. So I want to I begin to take you back in your mind. You know, when you're a little person, they used to ask you a question. What do you want to be when you grow up? You remember that? Now, when you get to my age at 63, they don't ask you that. They ask you how long you're going to live. They don't ask you about how, <laughs> what you want to be. Because somehow when you get a certain age, they think you stop being things. So I want to ask you a few questions. You ready? What do you want to become? What do you want to become? And some of you say, ah, I'm too old to become. Abraham was 75 years old when he started. Moses was 80 years old when he started. Don't talk about you too old. Imagine this. Abraham didn't have a child until he was 100. 100 years old. Imagine that. Imagine starting <laughs> your children having a two-year-old at 102. That's something, isn't it? Imagine that. 
So let's, let's start thinking just for a minute about what do you want to become? What will it cost you to become that? What does that church want to become? What do we want to be? And what will it cost us to become that? Thirdly, will you do what it takes? Will you do, will you do what it takes? Now, a lot of times you like to talk about what you want to become. I'm going to school. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to get in shape. I want to exercise. But you're not willing to walk. You're not willing to do what it takes to become what you say you want to become. Now, I wanted certain things in my life. I, I declared them. But the problem was I, <laughs> I wasn't willing to pay the price. I wanted to be an A student in school, but I wasn't willing to study that hard. So certain things I, didn't, I wanted, I asked God for. I even prayed for, Lord, please, Lord, please. But I wasn't willing to do what it took to get it. So do you even know what you want? Is it a job, better salary, relationships? You want your schedule to be improved? Think about what you want to become and then ask yourself the same question again. Am I willing to pay the cost? Now, here's how you know that. Did you pay it last month? I always say that. Don't, don't even start with what I'm going to do. No, 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 no. If you're going to save money, did you save any last month? If you're going to exercise, did you exercise last month? Look back and say, that's what I must want to become, what I did last month. At some point, you've got to develop a history. You, you can't just talk about it. What do we want to become? Well, I'll tell you. Jesus and the disciples made a decision, and they're an example for us. Jesus decided that he wanted to be our savior. He wanted to give his life. He wanted to help us. He wanted to get us to a place of healing. But that, there was a price attached to that. Now, I want you to think about this. There are three things I want you to notice about what Jesus did. He's our example. Jesus had to give up his privacy in order to give us salvation. For 30 years of his life, he only lived 33 and a half years, for 30 years of his life, he was in a private life, normal life, no issues. He was a carpenter. But then at 30 years old, he had a calling on his life, and he had to make a decision. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 says this. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, 17. From that verse forward, his life changed. No more privacy. No more just a carpenter guy. No more just a guy that walks down the street nobody knows is the son of God. Now he must make a declaration publicly. Preach a new message. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then verse 24 of chapter 4 of Matthew says this. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them all. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond. He couldn't go anywhere. Hey, Jesus, can you touch this bump right here? Hey, Jesus, can this hip is hurting right over here? Can you imagine going all around and everybody wants you to touch them? He had to give up his privacy. He couldn't be, he couldn't be anonymous anymore. Now, I, I had, I've had a little bit of notoriety, just a little bit. And I'm telling you, 
people would be talking to you all the time. Go in the store, be 12 people, 15, I'm serious, 20 people. Hey, Pastor Rick, hey, Pastor Rick, hey, Pastor Rick. I'm telling you, sometimes it's so, it's so funny, and they think they're the only one speaking to you. I like it. I like people. So if you speak to me, I like it. I love it. Speak to me, all of y'all. All y'all can say hi to me. It's good. But I'm telling you, it's something to not be able to go anywhere and people know who you are. Anonymity is a gift. You want to be famous until you're famous. You want to be known. You think about all them people you see in Hollywood. They're famous. A lot of them on drugs. A lot of them depressed. You know why? They lost their privacy. But Jesus was willing to do that for you. But then the biggest thing he gave up was not his privacy. He gave up his life. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Now, I love this verse because Romans 5 and 8 says it this way. God demonstrates. God proved his own love for us. How did he do it? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So please note, he didn't just give up his privacy. He gave up his life for people that didn't like him, for people that didn't serve him, for people that did, would eventually kill him. He gave up his life for them. I think that's amazing. I, I think it's amazing. I think it's phenomenal that God would do that. But then it wasn't just him, the disciples. The disciples were amazing in that they watched Jesus and they modeled for us an incredible decision early in their life. Matthew chapter 4, same chapter, Matthew 4, verse 8. There's a story that is often misunderstood. Let me set the stage. Jesus is in a neighborhood where he knew people. I believe he knew all the disciples. I don't believe the first time he sees them is when he calls them. I believe that they, had, they lived in the same neighborhood. So you see them fishing. You see them out there. You see them, you know, collecting taxes. Matthew, you see different people. And so one day, the Bible doesn't give us all the details, but one day he walks by each one and he says, come follow me. And they come follow him. Now I want you to watch this. These are guys who have families. These are guys who have businesses. These are guys who, who, who they were partners. As a matter of fact, James and John, they were partners with, uh, with, with um, Peter in the fishing business. And so uh, when Jesus comes by, he's asking this, these guys who are in business to become part-time business people. I don't know that they gave up their entire job. Some people think they did. I don't know if they did. But because but I, I, they had to take care of their families. But anyway, the bottom line is, here are these guys who, <clears throat> who decide to, to sacrifice the comfort of their consistent income and follow Jesus. Think about this. They were willing to give up money. I'm not about to take offering either. They're willing, <laughs> they're willing to give up money. They're willing to give up time. Here's what the Bible said in, in Matthew 4, 18. Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, Two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets, and they followed him. Going out from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. Immediately, they left the boat, and their father and they followed him. Amazing. I look at these stories and I think, wow, these are guys who give up stuff. Brings me back to my big question. What will I give up? What will I give up? Well, verse 24, Jesus says, here's what you have to give up if you want to follow me. 
First of all, he says in Matthew 16, verse 24, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. So there are three simple things that will help you determine what you will give up. Number one, what you're willing to say no to. What are you willing to say no to yourself about? I will not do this because I'm following Jesus. You have to come to that moment when you say, no. It's a fight I have every day. No, you're not going to think that way. No, you're not going to act that way. No, you're not going to respond that way. No, you will not eat that today, Temple. No, you will, you will live within these boundaries. No, it's a, it's a constant, daily, disciplined thought that I have to deal with because I said to God, I want this. He says, if you want this, here's what you must give up to get it. Secondly, look at the cross you're willing to bear. So let me, let me phrase it in three questions. Are you willing to say no to yourself? That's the first thing that will help you. Are you willing to say no to yourself? And if you are, think about it for a minute. What have I not denied myself? It's not until you solve that issue that you're going to ever see your life change. Secondly, are you willing to carry a cross? He said, if you're going to follow me, there's a cross that comes with it. Some responsibilities come with certain requests. I personally am not a guy, uh, I like people, I don't mind preaching, but um, I, I don't mind preaching, you know, it's all good. I like sharing the word. I like talking to people. I enjoy it. But, but I don't live to preach, if that makes sense to you. I, 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 I know this is part of my responsibility. Making sure that you're safe is part of my responsibility. And all that comes with it, all the expense, all the cost, everything that comes with it, anything at all. I have, if you are a mother, there's a certain responsibility that comes with being a mama. It ain't always fun to deal with them little cute people. It's not always fun to deal with your husband. It's not always fun to deal with your job, but that's your responsibility. That's just part of the job. So I've learned to adapt to and embrace my responsibility and to do it without murmuring. So a lot of you are doing it, but you complain it all the time. You're going on that, that job that gave you the money to put the gas in your car that you're sitting here listening to me with. They helped you buy the car because they gave you a job and money, and you still go there complaining. Here's what I think you should do. Embrace your responsibility without murmuring, without complaining. Because I told God I want him to bless me. I told God I want him to prosper me. Well, if he's going to do that, this job is a part of it. This responsibility is a part of it, and I need to prepare for it. I need to be diligent. I don't need to be lazy. I need to be clear about my responsibility. And then lastly, this. Here's a question for you. Are you willing to say no to yourself? Are you willing to carry a cross? And a cross is a responsibility. And thirdly, are you, are you willing to follow? Uh, you know, we got this culture now that nobody wants to follow anybody. There's this political environment that's amazingly toxic. People are afraid. It's almost like if I follow somebody, I'm losing who I am. Are you willing to follow? I've learned that God will put people in your life that are hard to follow. But sometimes they're hard to follow because you're hard to lead. Let me say that again. 
Sometimes God puts people in your life that are hard to follow because you're hard to lead. Now, I'm not saying everybody that's hard to follow is, is a good leader. I'm not saying everybody that's hard to follow is a good leader. But there are times in my life when I needed a tough teacher in my life who told me, you're going to do this work or fail. That teacher was a blessing to me. I needed a boss who said to me, be on time or you're going to lose your job. I needed that boss in my life. Sometimes in your life, you need to follow. And sometimes in your life, it's hard. But it's the right thing. I want to pray for you. I wrote this prayer down. I normally don't, but I wrote this prayer down. Because I want to say something I want you to hear. Lord, help me surrender what needs to be surrendered. Help me see my own rebellion against following anyone that does not think exactly like me. Lift my eyes above the burdens or crosses that my responsibilities demand of me. God, help me with that one. Lift my eyes above the burdens or crosses that my responsibilities demand of me. Help me, help me embrace the challenges in my life the same way Christ embraced the cross. Let me be like you, Jesus. You didn't complain on the cross. You, you told how you felt. You felt abandoned. You felt isolated. You felt forsaken. But you said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. Help us stop complaining so much. Finally, God, I commit to following you through whoever you send into my life. I'm going to follow you through whoever you send in my life. I realize that you are my Lord, but you send people and circumstances to improve my life. In the midst of this COVID thing, God, you're going to help us be better as a church, better as a people, better financially, better emotionally. And Lord, I pray that everyone in authority, every rule and law, I know is not my enemy. Help me give up what I need to give up to allow your best in my life. I declare in Jesus' name today that we're going to be mature people. We're going to rise above our own insecurities and fears. We're going to become the people that you want us to be. And we will not be intimidated during this season. We will do what's right and best in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for allowing me to be your pastor. Over the next couple of months, I'm going to talk about maturity and what maturity demands. That's what I talked about today, earlier early this morning. And then I'm going to talk about next week, and I want you to tune in, what maturity looks like. I want to show you what it looks like. Mature people act a certain way, think a certain way, live a certain way. If we're honest, sometimes we haven't been that mature. I think it's time for our country to mature. I think it's time for our leadership to mature. I think it's time for all of us to mature. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. When I became mature, I laid aside childish behavior. Go home today. No more fussing. No more fighting. No more arguing. No more holding a grudge. Let it go. Shake yourself free. And become what God called you to be. What do you want to be? Come. It's up to you. Hope you make the good decision. Father, I pray for people today who are watching this who don't know you as Savior. May they make the mature decision and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. May they say, this is the day that I need to make my life, get my life in alignment with God. 
and I give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming out. First Sunday.